Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. When Justin Armour was a rookie wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, some teammates invited him to a party. At the party were beautiful women doing things that I won't talk about right now, but he said this, it was the most eye-opening experience I've ever had. I had heard about things like this, but I was so naive, I got out of there as fast as I could. Justin Armour was a single Christian. He had committed himself to staying sexually pure before marriage. And he had his best friend, uh, Steve, become his accountability partner. And he said this, You need someone to hold you accountable for walking with Christ. Steve does that for me. He knows everything about my life, good and bad, and there's nothing he won't hold me accountable for. Another person is a man by the name of Kurt Stansel. He has been married for 16 years, two great kids and wife, successful investment business, uh, elder in his church, and he's a sex addict. And he's the first to tell you that. For years he struggled with pornography, then it turned into X theater, strip joints, and he had a, a, a life of uh, sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. Eventually he found an accountability partner by the name of Stan, quote, I began, began to understand what shame does, says Kurt. When we Christians try to hide something in the darkness, we give Satan incredible license to work in our lives. So the more open I could be, the less of a soul, of a hold, Satan seems to have on me. The, min, the message for this half hour is accountability is crucial. I mean, Christian, if you don't have anybody in your life holding you accountable for anything, you are putting an open door to Satan in your life, plus you're too lonely. <laughs> if nobody knows what you struggle with in life, that's way too lonely. So what I want to do in this half an hour is talk about how eternally important it is that you and I are accountable. Let's pray first. Father, we want to pray for everyone watching this show that somehow, if they aren't accountable, you will somehow give them a person in their life to whom they can be accountable. And Lord, we ask you to speak to us now about this important issue. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what does the Bible teach about accountability? Point number one, God holds us accountable. Romans chapter 14, Paul says, So then each of us will give account of himself to God. Jesus said in Matthew 12, But I tell you that every careless word that people utter, they will give an accounting of it on the day of judgment. So on a day called Judgment Day, the last day of the earth, everybody will give an account of yourself to God. My, my point is, it's going to be a lot easier to do that on the last day if right now we get in, in an accountability relationship and have Christians hold us accountable. Which leads to the second point about accountability. Christians are accountable to one another. 
The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 12. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the body analogy. Uh, Follow this. Christ is in heaven now. His body is up in heaven. So how does he do his work on earth? The church now has become his body. So picture this. Jesus is the head of the body up in heaven, but coming down through the clouds is his body, and we're working on earth. Some of you are a hand. Some of you are a nose. Some of you are an eye. Some are a leg. But every Christian is a different part of the body of Christ on earth doing his work. The point is, we're accountable to each other. If the finger hurts, the whole body hurts. If the, the foot rejoices, the whole body rejoices. Christians are accountable to one another. And it says the same thing in James chapter 5. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Notice there, in James 5.16, you're not confessing to God. You're confessing to another Christian. So let me ask you this question. Do you do that? Do you have anybody in your life that you confess your sins to? This is not just a Catholic thing. I'm a Lutheran, but if you read Martin Luther's small catechism written in the 1500s, meant for children and their parents, it talks about the the keys of the kingdom. Jesus said, you're Peter and disciples, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, you, they retain. Therefore, um, uh, we, we confess our sins to each other. It, it, you can do that with a priest. You can do it with a pastor. You can do it with just a normal Christian. It never, never says it has to be a priest. But do you have anybody in your life that you confess your sins to? And, and, and you might say, well, ooh, I don't want to talk to somebody about my sins. Well, why do we do that? Because of James 5 where it says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Maybe the reason you still have a problem with some sin addiction, maybe the reason you're physically not healed is because you won't do James 5 and confess your sins and talk to somebody about it. <laughs> I will tell you, years ago, I said to the church I served, Saturday morning from 11 to 1, I'm going to be in my office. You don't need to make a call. You can just show up if you need to confess a sin, if you've got a problem you want prayer for. I'm going to be in my office Saturdays at 11 o'clock. Please come on in. You know how many people came in? Zero. And that's why a lot of Christians are still caught in sins and and physically ill because they won't do James chapter 5. But I will tell you this, I'm a Lutheran, but the man who owned Domino's Pizza is a Catholic. He built, helped build a city in uh, Florida called Ave Maria, Catholic community. I visited it because it was near where I was uh, some time ago. Some beautiful new buildings in the middle of Ave Maria, Florida, is this huge Catholic uh, uh, church that they, they have built. It looks like it's out of the 1200s. And there's a Catholic college there. But you know what I found moving? I wanted just to see the building, so I walked inside the building. Here was a line of Catholic students waiting to confess their sins. I thought that was moving. Why do we do that? Well, Ecclesiastes 4 says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. In other words, don't go through life alone. Get an accountability partner. 
And uh, it says this in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So the reason I have an accountability partner, and, and he, I confess my sins to him, and he confesses sins to me, we pray for each other, so we, so we will be sharper for the kingdom. Next thought on accountability. Christians are accountable to confront each other. Jesus said, Luke 17, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So if you see a fellow Christian doing something wrong, you probably should humbly, gently, can I talk to you about something? And rebuke them. I mean, whenever I hear a Christian say, oh my God, I'm thinking, oops, Lord, am I supposed to talk to that person? And often you're supposed to. Not saying it's easy, but... Um, I, I had a friend that said, you know, Tom, there's a guy that goes to my church, and I see him coming home late at night so drunk he can't get the key into the keyhole, and this has happened more than once. Am I supposed to talk to him? And I said, probably. <laughs> we are to confront each other. And, and often, when you just confront the person one-on-one, -on -one, that's all you need to do. But sometimes you need to go further. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 18. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. It's done. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he does not listen even to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a tax collector and a Gentile. So there's a big church in the Minneapolis area. There was a man who was using that big church as his playground to seduce women. He was confronted and confronted on it. He wouldn't repent. So one day the pastor got in the pulpit and he said, women, and he named the guy publicly. There's a man going to this church and he said his name, stay away from this man. You do not want to have anything to do with this man. You know what the guy did? He was in church that day. He stands up and says, well, there's a whole other side to this. If you want to hear my side, see me after church. I heard that story and I thought, what's, what's it going to take to get through to this guy that he needs to repent? I mean, he, he's going to be fighting till eternity, I think. But normally one-on-one, -on -one, but if you have to go further, we Christians, we are supposed to rebuke each other in love. Another thought on accountability. Christians are accountable to restore each other. This comes from Galatians 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you too may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, if someone sins, you do your best to bring them back to Christ. I will tell you that my first church many years ago was in Florida. And we had such a close-knit fellowship group. We called it Young Singles and Couples, but they were of all ages. And we'd come together to pray together, to read the Bible together, to have meals together, to play games together. I, I have never been in a church in such close-knit fellowship. But one day, a young woman by the name of April, who used to play guitar and lead the singing, she stopped coming to the group. And then we heard she had moved in with her boyfriend. Well, God bless one of the men of the group. His name was Bert. 
found out her new address, went up to the apartment. April, where are you, April? We miss you, April. Won't you come back to our Bible study, April? What are you doing in there, April? <laughs> and you know what? It, she resisted, but eventually she came back to the group. We are accountable to restore one another like that. Next thought on accountability. Christians are accountable to meet together. This is from Hebrews chapter 10, quote, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. Let us not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some. Some people say, well, I can be a Christian without going to church. It never says in the Bible you have to go to church. Shall we read it again? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It does say in Hebrews chapter 10, you are to be part of a Christian church. I uh, saw a sign in front of a church that said, yes, we are open between Christmas and Easter. And there was another sign in front of a church. Have you ever seen this one? C-H blank blank C-H. And then it says, what's missing? And the answer is, you are. <laughs> well, you know, Pastor, I don't really think I need to go to church to worship. I, I like to go fishing on Sunday morning. And I think just sitting out in nature in my fishing boat, I'm worshiping the Lord. No! I mean, I, I've been in many fishing boats. I've never heard the guy in the next boat singing, Amazing Grace. So come on, every Christian is to be part of a church. Next thought about accountability. Christians are accountable to encourage each other. Hebrews 10 again, but don't, don't forsake coming together, but encourage each other all the more as you see the day, capital D day, coming up, approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. And he, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage one another and build each other up. In other words, this is a, a world that's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to follow Christ in this world. I need my Christian brothers and sisters to encourage me to keep following Christ. Don't give up. About 10 days ago, I preached this message at a church in North Dakota. It was an evening message. It's, about, it's going to be about 7 o'clock. Now, our TV show right now around the country is shown 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Mondays. And I often forget that we're gonna, when our show is on, except there's a certain man from the West Coast that calls me the worst false teacher he's ever heard. He'll send me very discouraging little emails, and then I'll remind me, oh, the TV show must have just aired. <laughs> so I'm in North Dakota, ready to get up to preach a sermon called Encouragement is Crucial. And I got this little email, oh, so-and-so, he must have seen our show again. And then after he called... I got a phone call from Pastor Bud Bond in Williamsburg, Virginia, with whom I worked for many years. He's 80 years old now, probably the most loving pastor. Oh, Tom, Elaine and I happened to see your show out here in Virginia. We were so blessed. It's so, and, and you know, I, to, I told him, I said, you know what, Bud? In about 15 minutes, I'm preaching a sermon on encouragement. I'm going to tell him that you did this. Because, you know, when we get pulled down and criticized by the world, we need a Christian brother or sister to step in and say, I I want to encourage you. So my point is, Christian, we're not only accountable to meet together, confess our sins to each other, we're accountable to encourage each other, because it's hard to be a Christian in this world. So when I, I want to encourage you to do something this week. Would you consider this? 
for the next seven days, one a day, would you find somebody and encourage them? Tomorrow when you wake up, pray a prayer. Lord, help me encourage one person today. Be an encourager. There is a saying. Some people bring joy wherever they go. Others bring joy whenever they go. <laughs> Are you a discourager? Are you an encourager? Well, let me ask this question now. What happens if I have no accountability in my life? Nobody knows my sins or my struggles or my temptations. What will happen? The result of unaccountability, the answer to that is sin. Sin will happen. You know this story. 1000 BC, King David is supposed to go off to war, but here's what it says in 2 Samuel 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, Joab sent, David sent Joab out with the army, and David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a beautiful woman bathing, very beautiful. Her name was Bathsheba. He has sex with her. He kills her husband, steals Bathsheba to be his wife, and the result of not having accountability and a way too much free time on your hands is you're going to sin. So I hope you're convinced that you need a priest, some Christian in your life, to hold you accountable. And, and so my last point to you is this. Find an accountability partner or an accountability group. You know, even right now, just, just, just say, Lord, who is that person you, you want to hold me accountable in life? Um, and, you know, if you're a man, get a male friend. If, you get a, if you're a woman, get a woman friend to be your accountability partner just to protect things. And if you've got an addiction, it's good to join a group. You can join Alcoholics Victorious, which is a Christian AA group. You can join Alcoholics Anonymous, if that's what they have in your town. If you have uh, food addiction problems, you can go to fulloffaith.com, and you can get someone to hold you accountable on the phone or, or online. Um, for sexual addictions, you can Google that as well. But um, everybody needs a pastor, a priest, a Christian accountability partner of some sort. And when you meet once a week, you ask questions like this. Did you pray this week? Did you read your Bible this week? Spend time with your family this week? Did you look at anything on the internet you shouldn't have? Were you in an inappropriate relationship this week with a member of the opposite sex? And you just ask each other the, the deeper questions. And then the last question is, have you just lied to me? <laughs> but there's a set list of questions you can ask, you can make up. But I just want to close with this. I hope you're taking this real seriously because here's my last point for you. What you choose to do about accountability may determine where you spend eternity. And I close with this. Here was a man in the church who had a regular volunteer ministry that he did every week in the church. This man was an older man, kind of spooky, kind of angry kind of guy. But he did his job in the church every week. And one day, one of his relatives takes me aside and says, Tom, he's got a horrible drinking problem. He swears like a sailor. And now he's got a, a girlfriend that he stays overnight with. And, but then the relative said, but don't talk to him about it. And it put me in a very awkward position. I said, he's coming up for communion every month. He shouldn't be taking communion if he's not repenting. No, no, don't talk to him about it. 
Uh, so, and you know, it's only hearsay then at this point because I can't confirm anything. So, so for two years, I would say to this relative, are you sure I shouldn't talk to so-and-so about this? Well, finally, the man was dying in the hospital. And the relative says, okay, go talk to him. And I want to tell you, this was very hard on me. I don't like this kind of stuff, but I said my prayers, got in the car, drove over to the hospital, walked into the hospital room and said, well, Mr. So-and-so, you know, I, I've been told that you drink a lot. You're kind of a drunkard. First Corinthians 6 says drunkards don't go to heaven and you swear a lot. And now you've got a girlfriend you're having sex with. First Corinthians 6 says fornicators don't go to heaven. I'm just very concerned that you repent of your sins and ask God's forgiveness and trust in Christ before you die. Well, he didn't say anything, but you could tell by the anger in his eyes, he was mad at me. And then he lived <laughs> for another five years. And you know what? He never came to church again. I, I called him, but you could tell he didn't. He was polite, but he didn't want to talk to me. And then he died. Let me tell you about man number two. Man number two had a rip-roaring drinking problem. His name was Bob. But he, he started going to his AA group. He turned his life over to Christ. He started serving in the church. But you know what he told me? He said, Tom, I've been sober for 15 years, but I know I still have to go to my AA group on Friday nights or I'm going to be in trouble. Well, he died too. I think I'll see Bob again in heaven. I don't know about man number one. And my point is this. What you choose to do about being accountable in this life may determine where you spend eternity. So everybody, get somebody in your life to hold you accountable. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. James chapter 5. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible and our everyday walk with the Lord. Tom, when you say, will God bring up our sins on Judgment Day? Because doesn't he forgive and forget if you ask for Yeah, it? you know, when we, I, we get this question periodically. If I ask God to forgive my sins, well then, when I'm judged on Judgment Day, he's going to bring up my sins. Well, it does say in the Bible that I put them in the sea of forgetfulness and I remove your sins as far as the east is from their west. So uh, I think when our sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. But Jackie, what about the sins I never bothered to ask for forgiveness for or I wasn't even aware of? Maybe the Lord has to talk to me about that kind of thing. So on Judgment Day, we will have to give an account. Here's the way Paul puts it, Second Corinthians 5. For we, and he's talking about Christians now. Some Christians think we don't have to go through Judgment Day. Yes, we do. Paul's writing to Christians, 2 Corinthians 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive according to what each one has done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul knew he was going to have to be judged someday. So um, there you go. Well, you don't think about it like that. No, but it, Christians it. have to do it too. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've heard of a person who says they don't go to church because churches don't really follow the Bible. And they just study the Bible on their own. Yeah. Can you really do that? And I mean, what do you do if you 
find a church well, that isn't well using. there's a couple things i get that kind of an email from people or letter from per- pastor brock all the churches teach such false doctrine i just study the bible by myself alone at home well first of all the bible tells you hebrews chapter 10 be in a church be part of a body and if they are so holy and pure that they can't find one church that's pure enough for them, they've got a pride problem. Jackie, there's lots of good churches in America. Lots of bad churches in America, but there's lots of good churches. And you know what I've learned? These people who are so enlightened that they don't need to go to church and the church is in darkness, then they talk to me about what they believe. It gets weird. I mean, people who aren't part of a good Bible-believing church, they start making it up as they go. And they have weird, we, the, the reason it's good to study the Bible with a group is to make sure your interpretation isn't way out there. And if you've got an interpretation nobody else does, you know, that's why we go to churches, we correct each other. So that person needs to humble him or herself, find a good church and go. And of course, you, uh, ev- there's every, everybody will find something you don't agree with in your church. So what? Go anyway. But I think, you know, the thing that makes me love my church all the more is the fellowship that yeah. you have yeah. with believers. Yeah. It's so tough in the secular mm-hmm. world to mm-hmm. go out. I mean, there's nothing more exciting to me than go to my Wednesday morning Bible study fellowship and yeah. be together with Christians Amen. and talk about things. And, Amen. Uh, and I mean, that fellowship is something you aren't going to get from a TV show no, or that's a right. television. Yeah. And when people say, well, Pastor Brock, your TV show is my church. Well, if they're shut in and can't get out, okay, but you can't get communion from a TV set. And Jackie, you can't serve a TV set. One reason we go to church is to serve the Lord with our gifts. So, yep. You said that Christians should confront each other, but I guess, didn't Jesus say that we should judge not, lest ye be judged? Mm -hmm. And I mean, shouldn't the judging come not from us, but from God? Sometimes the way God does criticize me is through my Christian brothers and sisters. Jackie, let me tell you the worst misquoted verse in the Bible. Judge not lest you be judged. People use that verse to say, don't talk to me about my sin. I can be uh, living with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I can be uh, a drunkard. But hey, don't you judge me. That is not what Jesus meant. Because Jackie, listen to this. The same Jesus who said, judge not lest you be judged, also said, why do you not judge for yourself what is right? Judge with righteous judgment. Jesus tells us to judge, and then he says, judge not. So the question is, what does it mean? I think context. Judge not simply means, don't think you're better than other people. We're all sinners. But that does, doesn't mean we're not, you know, the whole thing about take the log out of your eye first. Then you'll see clearly to take the log out of your brother's and sister's eye. But you do get to a point when you do it. So I, I will tell you... Um, uh, we, Jesus said, if your brother sins, rebuke him. There you go. Well, this has been an interesting show. <laughs> we only have a few seconds left. I'd just like to thank you for your support in viewing this program. And we pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and 